Crow Talk. Crow Talk. Crow Talk. Film Squawk. Winchester. Directed by the Spierig Brothers. 2018. Hello, hello. For those of you who are new to the podcast, I'm Rochelle Robinson, and joining me are Stacey Reynolds and Cassidy Brooks. We're going to start with yays and nays. Three reasons to see this film, and three reasons maybe you shouldn't see this film. Then we will squawk. This is when we discuss aspects of the film that stood out to each of us, details that really bothered us, and just generally talk your ear off. Finally, we will consider takeaways, things we want to remember moving forward about this film or film in general. The most haunted house in the world sits on an isolated parcel of land in rural California, and every day it gets bigger. Engineered by a firearm heiress, Sarah Winchester, the monstrous mansion stands seven stories tall, boasting hundreds of rooms and counting. Thought to be the work of a deranged old woman, Sarah understands what no one else can about this work. The Winchester prison must exist, must expand, not for Sarah or her niece, but to house hundreds of vengeful ghosts and keep the worst of them from exacting their terrifying revenge. All right, so let's talk about three reasons to see Winchester. My reason to see Winchester is just the story about Sarah Winchester. It's fascinating. For me, uh, there were some great jump scares. And I think my favorite part is just the house, the house itself, the big manse. The mansion. All right, so three reasons we maybe wouldn't recommend this film. The writing. Uh, It's a half-baked idea, poorly executed, maybe even quarter-baked. Yeah, and basically the same, just the derivative side characters. This movie actually, like, I had super low expectations for it. I feel bad podcasting about it almost. I'm like, are you ready to slay this dragon? (laughs) But I had very low expectations based off of the trailer. I'm kind of a hard sell for, like, Victorian-era horror, too. It's, Mm -hmm. like, not really what I'm drawn towards. Um, So I actually was pleasantly surprised by the first, I don't know, at least, like, half hour of the movie. Mm -hmm. I was, like, into it. but yeah, I fully agree with Stacy where it just like sloughed off about halfway through and uh, yeah, boo. <laughs> After watching the film, I went online because Cassidy, you had mentioned you'd watch a documentary about that. I, yeah. And so I went snooping around for more information and I came across this 1963 um, news spot about it, which is actually creepier than the film itself um and they painted her in a completely different light she was definitely according to the legends that they had aggregated at that time um she was the source of the mystery um which the movie the frustration i have with the movie is that the mystery was very quickly answered instead of trying to figure out, is it paranormal? Is she going through a breakdown? I felt the movie was like, it's paranormal, and we're going to wrap this whole really scary thing up for you. So I recommend watching this documentary on YouTube for free because it is spookier, and it it leaves up in the air what was actually going on. Was she experiencing some sort of psychosis after losing her husband, or was she being visited 
by Spooks. Was she clairvoyant? I read a bunch of articles about her, and I think they completely mismanaged her entire story. Like, she was raised in a Freemason household. They were obsessed with, like, Francis Bacon philosophies. The woman was obsessed with numbers. It should have been a movie like a Da Vinci Code, like, symbolism breaking down all of these numerical mysteries that she had created. Like, she essentially made an avant-garde piece of artwork that was her house wrapped up in a mathematical numeric code, essentially. And, like, they didn't touch on that at all in the movie. I feel like they just went, oh, just blasé, like, the same horror movie we've all seen since we were kids. (laughs) Like, it's the same storyline retold in, like, a boring way where they could have, like, delved into, like, she like disappeared after her husband died in Europe for like four years and no one knows where they where she was, but it's speculated that she was inducted into the Freemason or whatever into Freemasonry um, because they would in, allow people to come in that were like women of a certain stature societally. And so I think she became she like continued to be obsessed with numbers. I have so much more number stuff to throw at you, but Rochelle, go for it. No, I mean <laughs> I I think that I agree in, on both counts in a combined way. They wrapped up the most fascinating aspects about her and made her basically possessed. They essentially had it be some sort of possession to explain how she could create such a remarkable home. And perhaps that was part of the obsession of her numbers. It was in some way a possession, but that it was so tidy. It was just way too tidy for me, specifically that piece. It's midnight suddenly and she's drawing like Alice in Twilight <laughs> with their eyes closed. Oh like, God. it's just like, are you, are you real? Like there, it seems like there should be more to it than this. Yeah. They, it's another story told about a woman poorly. Like they left out the whole story. They just took like two pieces of this like legend and ran with it and completely left out like her entire life story. I want to talk about numbers again really quick. May I for a second? <laughs> Okay, so I looked into, I'm going to mess this up. I would have, It's like a cipher, like a Masonic cipher or something. And so every, every letter has a numeric uh, value to it. So for example, 777 is a really big number, I guess, in Freemasonry. She retained 777 shares of the Winchester Company. Her name, Sarah Winchester, adds up somehow to 52. Her daughter's name adds up to 52. The plot that they're all buried in, plot 52. Like, she was obsessed with numbers. And 13, 11, and 7 prime numbers are also huge in Freemasonry. And so that's why, and this Francis Bacon philosophy, I would have to reread it. Obviously, I'm an expert. Um, (laughs) But yeah, yeah so that's the part that irritated me to not to keep saying Da Vinci Code, but that was such a fun story unfolding because you learned all about the symbolism along the way. And I just feel like they completely left all of that fun mystery about her as like a powerful woman out of it. And really, like, she's possessed. She wants to nurture the ghosts. And she's in a perpetual eternal mourning. Like, why is she wearing a veil? Why was she wearing that end, veil? Yeah, by the end, I'm like... Wait, is this just for theatrics? Because, I mean, obviously she's still mourning the sorrows of her life, but what? And here's another thing. Like, her baby was only alive for, like, four months, Annie or Anne. And then her husband lived for, like, 12 more years after they lost their baby. So to paint her that way is just a pathetic way to paint a woman. And then, like, a man has to come in to, like, save her and make sure she's sane. But, oh, wait, she is sane because it's ghosts. (laughs) Boo. 
So too, along those lines, Cassidy, I made a note. Um, how funny is it that this woman must bear the emotional burden of these deaths? Classic beyond the grave patriarchy. Right? Yeah, Seriously. Like... <laughs> and not that that maybe wasn't something that they gleaned from the legends. Um, in fact, I was, again, this 1963 documentary was amazing. According to these legends, which they clarify in the documentary that, in the documentary that they are legends, her husband is the one who instructed her um, that she would always be haunted by the spirits and that she had to um, build the house in order to placate them. So she's instructed by her husband beyond the grave that she will be haunted and it's up to her to uh, do these ghosts' biddings. Um, he also said that by doing this, she would gain immortality. Like, what? Why wasn't this in the movie? This is so interesting. Because you know? they left all of the good parts out. Well, because if, if he had instructed her, well, I mean, I guess it would just be her word still, but they were trying to take her shares, and it's it really unfolded quickly. So I, I appreciated that um, inciting incident happening right away, but ultimately this seemed like a chapter story or like a slice of life or something because ultimately it's all about getting the main guy to that garden room. To it's his all about the garden room. It's all about getting back to his wife and how he completely mishandled her mental illness. Yeah, it's all about the fucking guy. <laughs> it I is. I liked his performance a lot, but it's not the story. Yeah, as far as like entertainment value goes, I was entertained by it. That was where the pleasant surprise was for me was it did like I was engaged until the end until it just became like all of these tropes that we've seen a hundred times and there was one line where she was like I'll always love you or something like the wife ghost in the garden room and it was just like I compare it to a Disneyland ride where at the beginning it's like really magical and fun and then by the end it just falls apart and they're like okay the ride's over like we didn't figure out how to end this but it's over now it's it's done I just hated how it ended like a like a love ghost story. It looked like a Disney ride at the beginning too because she's walking across the roof, but you don't realize it's the roof. And so it looks like munchkins are building a tiny house is really what it looked like initially. I, it was my first note that I wrote and I'm just sort of like, is this the house? Boring. And then you see it full scale after that. And you're like, oh, they must have been on the roof, the munchkins making making the tiny house. I mean, what, I wish, yeah, I wish so much that they would have spent a lot more time like dissecting that house. You know, and like talking to like those staircases that they use are like picture perfect. They are the same. They are the same as they are in the actual house. So I wish they would have really broken down. Like, was she actually doing this stupid 13 nails shit in the doors? And like, and like, what's up with this bad spirit that comes like, oh, there's a really bad spirit in the house now. Like, that's a, that's where it really feels like a chapter to me, where it's like, who gives a shit about this bad spirit? Nobody cares. It's not even like related to their family, except the Winchester curse. Ugh, I don't know. I have so many complaints I could go on. Well, and why things. has this never happened before? Why hasn't a ghost ever gotten this angry? And also... Spoiler, at the end, when they try and lock the ghost in, you can't lock the ghost in because they can get at the nails. You can only lock a ghost in because it's nailed from the outside. And that's the, Right? And at the very end, the fucking nail comes out. Right. That's how it ends. And so it's like, so everything you said was wrong. She is a lunatic. She's a crazy woman. I don't know. I just like the whole last like 15 minutes made me angry. If the nail coming out at the end is supposed to be a sequel... 
I'm going to lose my crap. I'm going to. Helen, don't do it. Let's talk about Helen because she is Helen Mirren. So that was a plus. She was lovely as usual. But for me, nothing, their performances didn't save anything for me. No. And it was, <laughs> I mean, the whole thing was trite. So there was nothing to work with. Like you said, the writing, there was like nothing to build on as far as an actor. It's just like, here's one emotion. Convey that the whole time. And there's so much opportunity to talk about like the stigma of a widow and the kind of stories that come from that and legends that are created around, you know, the crazy woman that lives alone. Um, this is getting actually away from Helen Mirren. I'm sorry. Um, but, oh, there was just so many, so many things to talk about. I don't know why they cherry picked so much. Because they don't have vaginas. They'll never be widows. They will never be widows. May I ask a question? Yes. What were all of those books filled with? Like a per the person's life story, you know, because this is the date and the name of the person, and each book was exactly the same size, like a classic reader. But did, was there like materials? Were they hollow? Like were there clippings, like from newspapers, more locks of children's hair? I, yeah. I'm not sure. Like what were those? I don't know. That to me was just another pointless side road of like exactly, or was it Helen Mirren like drawing their architectural plans for their room maybe in those books like that's just another stupid side road where it's like okay we can't fill this time frame for a film so we'll throw in this stupid scene with her with her child like the child's lock of hair I get that part that seemed pertinent to me but oh eye roll I have so many eye rolls sorry internet Debbie Downer over here. <laughs> that part was just another example of their half-baked idea they had no idea going into this what they really wanted to look at. They just had this sad man with a bullet wound in his chest <laughs> and a stupid together forever bullet idea. And they're like, yeah, oh yeah, Winchester lady. Let's yeah. do that. It's literally like they did no research. They like Googled it once and read the first Wikipedia sentence and were like, yep, that's our movie. And they like failed to actually tell Sarah Winchester's story like so hard. This this is an amazing opportunity too. like so many people know of Sarah Winchester, especially like of our parents, you know, like that house is really well known nationwide. And they, oh, I don't know. It was just like too ghost story ish. I guess that's why this I think is a good reminder. This project is just because you have a really awesome catch, like some sort of hook um, doesn't mean that that's enough. And also you can walk away having made an entire project, not utilizing the hook the way you should have. It's just become such a waste. That's how I felt. Like, especially as it was wrapping up, I was just like a wasted story, a wasted story of a woman told by a man. Yeah, they took away her power, which is something I think, Rochelle, you had mentioned earlier, um, where she is just victim to these ghosts. Um, and I'm, again, going to reference this documentary. There's a legend that they tell in it that she allegedly wanted to hold a ball. She announced to her staff that she wanted to host a ball. And so they ordered food and they got the wine and they hired musicians. And the musicians showed up and started playing. And the, the get or no, I'm sorry, the staff started announcing the guests, except no one was walking in. They were ghost guests. So the musicians eventually got so freaked out that they left because they were having this ball with no one there. <laughs> like, that's crazy. That is so interesting. Was that the intention? Was it always going to be a ball for the ghosts? Yes, that's the implication. 
I mean, and those are like, so I did a lot of reading about it and all of those legends, there's a lot of falsehood there. And there's a lot of people out there that are like, no, no. Like she never held seances. There's a ton of information out there on that end. Which again is what makes it interesting is all of the people around her creating these legends, what's real, what's not. Like that's the mystery. That's the mystery around this story is that we don't know and we don't know what is fake and we don't know what is real necessarily Um, it is yeah yeah they just left out so many cool parts and the earthquake happened in 1906 right and so that was implicated at the end and she actually was trapped in a bedroom for like hours but then she never rebuilt she just bought she kept building on the house but she just like closed off that part of the house it was seven stories the house was before the earthquake and now it's only like four um but so she like just closed it off so something traumatic, I think, did happen during that point of her life because then she left and lived in like a townhouse or something near her family and would come and visit the estate still. And again, there's just like so much conflicting information. Stacey's right. saying no. <laughs> so this, and this is why it's interesting. According to this documentary, she went and lived on a houseboat. Oh, that's and right. And still sent instructions. So there was still construction going on. That's what I read um, too. Yeah. But she, um, she did seal that part off according to this source it was because she was too lavish um that's why these ghosts destroyed that part of the house or she blamed the earthquake on the ghosts and then she went to live on a houseboat um and then she did come back and she was found dead by her niece um in i think 1922 but um yeah there's there's so much information out there and it's all legend why not run with some of it and that's fascinating too because If she blamed the earthquake on the ghosts faulting her for her lavishness, then they weren't giving her the designs for the house. She was creating the house herself. A creation was hers. And, you know, the movie definitely robbed her of that to tie it up. So if that's truly the case, then she created this house, probably fixed, like fixated with all of her numbers. That's what I think. Mm. Again, this documentary... Um, doesn't talk at all about her receiving these divine plans, these house plans at all. Um, another example of the movie robbing her of any sort of uh, power. Um, she just she did them all herself, according to this documentary. It was all her. Oh yeah, and can we talk about really quick how the Winchester the movie wrapped up with the dude storyline and just left her there building? It like didn't wrap her up. It it was all about the guy. It's all about the guy. And why? Her story was so much more fascinating. His was so stupid. Again, it was just like, oh, we didn't think this through, so I guess he has a lost love and that stupid bullet. I don't know. I just like, this was such, they missed the target so hard on this and had such a cool, like now I'm obsessed with Sarah Winchester after going and reading about her. I want to make a movie about her because I'm like, you guys ruined it. (laughs) You did it wrong. Can we discuss for a second... uh the message of gun violence yeah, and um, how they handled it in the film. Yeah. Yeah, I was definitely thinking about that throughout the film. Um, if the movie was trying to say, give an opinion on, on gun violence and how naughty and bad it is and how if you shoot a weapon, then poor Miss Winchester, Sarah Winchester is going to pay. Yeah, if that was a dialogue on gun violence, again, I'm going to say boo. Well, because she was, she had such strong feelings. She didn't allow guns in the home until um, 
Till five seconds later, like... Well, right, until the ghost told her to. Then she orders every single gun. And were we trying... Were they trying to say that it was her idea that they start making roller skates? Yeah. Was that her contribution? Was that the contribution they gave her to the company? Because she didn't like guns. So why not tack on some uh, roller skates there to the end of the little portfolio? And then, like, at the end, now I'm just remembering all of her, like, hands that she kept carried a gun against ghosts, which I'm like, okay. Right, because they were possessing her family. You're not going to shoot a member of your family. You're not going to shoot a ghost. Like, (laughs) I just really think they failed that woman miserably. It's sad that this is the story that was released about her life because it's like Disney's haunted mansion. I wish we'd been able to find the screenplay because I, I wonder if it's the same I mean, something enticed Helen to get on board. The story itself, let alone, like not the, the movie, but the story is so intriguing. I wonder if that was enough for her to to get on board. Oh, yeah. Just knowing of Sarah Winchester would be enough, I think, of a hook to get on board to a project like this. I think that when you research Sarah Winchester, even though you do find so many different things it's clear that she was a very unusual and enigmatic character. And so if there wasn't a script and just uh, Helen, Mirren, Helen Mirren's knowledge of Sarah Winchester, that would be enough to hook me. I mean, she seems like such a thrilling character to portray, which is so not what it turned out to be. She was so at the mercy of the male ghosts and the men still alive in that story. Ugh. Yeah, I really don't have a lot of positive things to say about it. I... I love research. I love the fact that it got me researching um, about Sarah Winchester. And again, this 1963 documentary, (laughs) I should get paid somehow for advertising it so much in this podcast. It is really interesting. And it's what the movie should have been. Yeah, I fully agree. Like, I have mostly negative things to say other than like, yeah, I guess the biggest positive. Yeah, is what I already said. It's like Sarah's story and then being so intrigued by it that you go home and read about her after the movie because I instantly did that after the film and that part was really cool. I mean, maybe as a Victorian Gothic, it hits some marks. There's opium and cool costumes. So it's really melodramatic. So maybe it works as a Gothic story. I don't know. Yeah. Why Why is the doctor like so fucking smart and all this? He's just strung out on opium the whole time. Yeah, exactly. He's... Not microdosing. He's like macrodosing opium and guzzling all alcohol. The time. Like, and he's the hero. And then Fuck he's just you. lying to her the whole time. He's like deceitful. Yeah, I I hated it. <laughs> well, and he did not actually experience withdrawals, as far as I could tell. And so it was so blatantly because cool, he had to get right back to the action. Right? He couldn't spend whatever two days, however long it would take for him to at least come down off of the highest. It's just another, like, stupid meandering side road that they took that was pointless, like, locking him in his room. That was so stupid. Quarter-baked. Quarter-baked. Like, it is raw in the middle. I wish they'd utilized the um, communication, the internal house communication device more. I mean, I really was freaked out when the finger came out of it. Like, that freaked me out, obviously. Uh, But it could have been so cool. Well, maybe I'm just fascinated by the invention itself. It could have been so cool. Yeah, everything was just so pointless. And like the son getting possessed, 
off and on like that was pointless it served literally no purpose except to give your stupid peripheral side characters like something to do and wasn't it insane how every single person you met had a different accent yeah and well that is what tipped me off to the ghost guy being a ghost guy because i'm like where did that accent come from yeah because most and then some of them were like southern accents but they're in california okay have what have the spirit brothers made other than this like i would love to know i believe jigsaw oh exactly my point great they just pooped all over sarah winchester's amazing story and we're gonna make this movie again we're gonna call it sarah keep your eyes peeled it's all gonna be about the woman okay i'm so pissed so as far as takeaways go for me um do better that's that's what's in my head. I just keep thinking, how can we do better? We, the bar got too low with this one. Stop giving these amazing feminist uh, stories to the wrong people because they're not even aware of the gift that they have, the story that they can tell. They don't know how to tell it. Yeah, I'm just tired of like dudes getting a, like millions of dollars to make these high budget films and just like falling flat on their face. Like, yeah, that it was a disappointment. Fun fact: at Sundance this year, there was 122 films, and 33% of them were directed by women. That's incredible. That's unprecedented. So yeah, another written and directed by opportunity squandered, which is too bad. But there are other scary, awesome movies coming out this year that I'm excited for and I'm anticipating. And I think that they'll continue to invest in our new perceptions of body genre and what horror is doing and what it's talking about. And maybe we'll be able to delve a little bit deeper um, when we have uh, deeper source material. Yeah. Thanks for listening to us bitch and moan. Yeah. Not apologizing. It's just how I feel. I'm not apologizing either. I've been a real bitchy bitch on this one, but... (laughs) No, I think we've all been just very honest and direct about our opinion, and I value both of your brains. And I love you, world. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks, Internet. Keep it cool. Goodbye. Bye. This has been a Talking to Crows production. 